one point in their soul and their heart detach from that and go, wow, we were so wrong. Um, so I thank everybody. Um, my heart and soul go out to you. Oh. It's a girl, it's really beautiful. Um, so I'm so grateful. Yeah, it's tragic he lost his mother. Yeah, it's tragic he's seemingly unhappy in this relationship and suffering arrested development. But that does not give him the right on continuum to make a mockery of the United States and of Great Britain. And in my opinion, you know, I understand that fathers like King Charles and like my dad want to keep extending the olive branch. And it's called, from a parent uh, in psychology, it's called enabling. You want to be an authoritative parent, one who has authority, but that's sensitive. Because if you're too sensitive, you're an enabler. And what you're doing, you're actually damaging your own child because you're sending the message to him that this is okay. So it, it's weird because, well, we're in a place in history where everything is inverted seemingly. Lies are the truth, uh, right is wrong. It's not just the woke. But when you look at these two, I don't know, you guys, did you ever wake up and get the memo that lying, abusing, and disposing of people is the new humanitarian definition? So that being said, I mean, my dad's amazing. It was totally unselfish. If I asked him for $20 for a movie when I was a teenager, he'd throw a 50 at me and say, have fun. Like he just gave and gave and gave and gave. And um, we still had to work. I still had to work in a donut shop and my other jobs. So there are people out there criticizing my dad saying, oh, he spoiled her too much. Just because she threw blueberries around the kitchen and he gave us most of what we wanted and everything we needed doesn't mean we were spoiled. He still instilled in us the value of hard work. For her not to make it right, in my opinion, is just so unbelievably. It's like something Stephen King would write. It is evil it is fundamentally evil there is no other way to slice this apple you know what the goddamn mirror is going to crack one of these days and i feel sorry for you when it does because when you wake up if ever it's going to be painful and in my opinion you deserve every moment of the pain you have put others through it's called yeah. moral spiritual karma important yeah. word K-A-R-M-A, -A. look it up in the dictionary. You know that, you know I that, know that, that you Kaczynski know that. just passed away, the Unabomber, and I was thinking because he had another brother, right? They were brothers. And the mother, you know, I can, I can only imagine your father being in that same situation when you have multiple kids, and then one turns out like that you don't understand. I just think it's really, um, no, I, you know, not even, not even Harry yet. I just think it's really wild yet completely predictable because yeah. water seeks its own level that here we are at this point in history where everybody, including prominent journalists have gotten the big picture. It's sort of like everybody understands, not everybody, they're the skewed PR, but I think most people really get that I was telling the truth, that my father was telling the truth. And yeah, yeah, it's so bittersweet to be met with so much love and support, yet retrospectively to look at 
the torment and the doubt and the defamation and yeah. the and and yet I still kind of feel like wow, but you know I get it. I get a lot of people were uh, impressionable and propaganda is really influential. Of course. So I almost can't fault people, and I've had you know who uh, at one point were attacking me and are now apologizing, and it's so beautiful, and I can't fault them because. I get emails from people saying like, wow, I was one of your biggest attackers. Yeah. I, I doubted you and now I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I get a little bit emotional about it because it's so great to see that in the human spirit, yeah. that people can be so influenced by media and propaganda and at one point in their soul and their heart detach from that and go, wow, we were so wrong. Um, so I thank everybody. Um, my heart and soul go out to you. Awesome. It's, a, no, it's really beautiful. Um, so I'm so grateful. But um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm it's okay. Hey, it's no, okay. Don't apologize for that. Don't apologize okay. for that. I know exactly how you feel. I'm a Sagittarius. We're emotional people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Taurus. I just break things, you know. So okay, we all have our we all have our sides. So it's obviously it's 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 hit you pretty hard when you yeah. have gone through all the negative side. You've seen individuals, you know, turn full circle and come back and apologize for this. That's obviously in the rarest of account of encounters. And you'll probably find that these people are able to take responsibility for their actions. And that doesn't cover the whole destiny, uh, the whole spectrum of trolling, sadly. No. And um, mm. you know, it's it's amazing when people can take that responsibility because, as you see, the impact it's had on you, yeah. it makes a big difference uh, for those who've had to endure uh, campaigns of abuse and things like that. So, why don't we? Have a little look, Sam and Paula. And Paula, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> and, and by the way, we completely missed the intro to this, and that's fine. I'll do, we'll, I will just edit in when Sam's not here, not to waste any of her time. Uh, but Paula, how how are you doing? And um, you know how 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 do you I'm feel? Through the mills um, with <laughs> some hate campaigns as well. So yes. tell us your experiences with uh, some. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I understand perfectly where Samantha is coming from. I mean, even Samantha was very skeptical of me at the beginning, I think, right, Sam? First, because you had so many people attacking you and you didn't know who, who was who. Number two, when you Google my name, you still get trashed about me, which is completely untrue. You know, in any social media I am, the first thing they say, oh, wasn't she a trafficker? Wasn't she the one, the poor husband? You know what she did to her husband? You kidnap your son. In spite of the fact that, you know, I've won all the court cases and... Uh, it's still out there, you know, and, 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 you know, Sam, it's like, I don't know about you, but I always feel like I have to say, L listen, but look, I did, I did, I did win. You know, it's like, I always feel like I have to prove like with documents because otherwise nobody believes you, you know? Yeah. You know, when you speak about documents, there are some social media trolls out there who are really sick, really savvy, who will do anything to like get into databases and get all of your personal information and skew it way left field, way out of proportion. Of course. So that being said, I had social media trolls out there calling me an abuser saying, oh, we've got this document. Look at her. She's an abuser. This is official. 
And I was out there saying, wait a minute, that's not the court. That's not a court document. And I've got CD-ROMs and I've got court transcripts that say that any bogus allegations from a few unhinged people were dismissed with prejudice. Here's the proof. So then what they do is they say it wasn't dismissed. They don't look at chronological order. They don't look at the fact that there were no criminal charges, no arrest record, nothing moved forward, but some crazy person's bogus allegations went nowhere. Yet they repeatedly post it and post it and post it to try and breathe life into it, to try and make a federal case out of it. And I'm like, you know what? You go ahead. You exhaust yourselves. You do everything you can to be a social media sicky troll. But that doesn't make your psychosis reality. And I'm sorry about it. Get counseling. But these people are so vindictive and so nasty. And I can see why, you know, we're adults. We can debrief ourselves. We can say, you know what? That's not real. They have psych issues, not my baggage, not my problem. But there are teenagers out there, as we see a young man who was a very handsome young man recently was attacked on social media and committed suicide because people who don't have the life experience to debrief themselves, to understand and to separate the baggage and the social psychosis from reality and say, look, I can deal with this. They can turn blue and do whatever they want but it's not my stuff. Yeah. I don't have to own that psychosis. Young people don't have those tools in their toolbox yet. And even if they have a great support system and parents, a lot of them are still more influenced by peers. They're yeah. worried about what peers think. And so suicidal ideation and even suicide are pretty prevalent, especially in the young community because of social media troll attacks. It's really sick. It's, it's really... A prominent issue uh, across the world as well. It seems to wherever social media spreads to, so does the the, the harsh realities of it. Um, let's let's turn a corner here a little bit, right? Let's throw some. I'm going to throw some Harry Harry <laughs> Harry court case in America stuff over here, right? Because okay. <laughs> I don't know, Paula. I, I said to you, and I don't know. I could be wrong. I said to you, we're going to start seeing weird things where things that should be happening aren't happening. Were they not meant to release some documents and did some documents not get said that they can no longer be, be released in this case? Did you see this? Oh, have you frozen, Paula? Well, oh, no, she's back. That, no, that's not entirely so. What's happened is that... Uh, yes. Let me go to a place where there's better... Uh, yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. Yeah, let me fine. go here. Can you see me? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say I can. Um, just, I'm gonna sit just, over here because that's fine. I'm just gonna get the yes. timestamp for editing that. I'm uh, here. That's fine. No, no, we got you. I'm just getting the timestamp. Where are we? Ten twenty. Okay, let me sit in a rocking chair here. Um, well, it's that's not the case. He um, he, the DHS decided neither to confirm nor deny about Harry's documents, but the Heritage Foundation, remember what we talk about angry nerds? They're yeah. gonna take it back to the judge because the judge yeah. gave them the option to to take it back to them. And I, I think this judge is gonna actually say, you know what? What I think is gonna happen 
I think that some of the documents may not be released, might not be released, but the one where he applied for the visa will, because I saw that they requested a bunch of documents that might not be necessary, but the one to see whether he admitted his past drug use might be okay. you know, released. Yeah, okay. well, you, know, you know what concerns me and what sticks out like a sore thumb? I think we all know it's been salient in the media. He's one of Joe Biden's buddies. We're talking about the DNC, who, in my opinion, um, were using those two as royal puppets. I don't think they're going to let him plummet. I, I don't think that either. Yeah, so so I think I think the administration and the DNC are probably going to find some wiggle room. And look what they're doing with illegal immigrants. So why are they going to all of a sudden sanction Harry, you know, uh, uh, royalty? And yeah. not penalize illegal immigrants. I think they're going to find a way to, you know, find the loophole and make it so that he's just fine and the visa problem goes away. Yeah. Well, it, it depends, Sam. You know what? It depends because I see a lot. The Heritage Foundation is quite strong. I know that what's going on in the United States, I recognize the symptoms because I live it. I can't say very much because I might end up in jail, but and this is one of the things that I can tell you because when there's censorship uh, of the press, when you only get one version of events, when your political opponent becomes your enemy, when you put your political opponents in jail, which I've seen, I mean, 222 people were just sent to the United States and they lost their citizenship. So when you have that, I can see, you know, when you've lived through that, I mean, I'm still living through that. When you live through that, you know that it is not a good place to be because I mean, and I'm not even, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get too political, but for example, even if you don't like Trump, what's happening is not correct. So I think that, that, that the tide is starting to turn a little bit because Spotify has canceled your sister. Mm. Um, Netflix, I think it's on its way to cancel Harry because, uh, Invictus Games, it's they're not lending themselves anymore. The, the UK military stopped backing them because yeah. before the Invictus game was backed by the UK military. Now they, they're no longer doing that, which is why we saw Harry with exploiting the US veterans, you know. So you know, I, but I might well, be wrong. I mean, but I do think no, I was going to say, I mean, I, and I might be wrong, too. While it's easy to assume that because Harry has been noted as being a friend of the Biden family, that doesn't mean there are, that there aren't other forces and other people outside of the reach of the royal family and others who uphold the rule of law. Who are equally as powerful and willing to say, no, let's, you know, let's throw down, throw down a spike belt. Let's, there have to be boundaries. And I think this is unique in that there have been several congressmen, Senator Ted Cruz and uh, Representative Smith, who have written letters to the royal family about their titles on the grounds that uh, it's against Article 1, Section 9, I believe, of the United States Constitution to sling around royal titles to influence American politics. Yeah. So that combined with this visa issue, I think there are forces behind closed doors who are saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're royalty. It doesn't matter. This is the constitution. These are our laws. 
and you might be buddies with so-and-so, but you know what? You're not going to breach this because this sets a precedent and an example to other would-be, I won't say offenders, but would-be perpetrators and actors in the world who need to know that they can't get away with, with doing this, especially at this critical time in history when foreign affairs are so volatile. So I think it sends a big, loud message, and I think to handle it recklessly and to be extremely soft on it would be a big mistake because then we have no boundaries. Then we, you know, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely... That's what they were actually talking about. Sorry, sorry, Ron. That's what they were actually talking about. It's very dangerous because it's going to set a precedent, you know, because then yeah. anybody can say, you know, somebody from La Maratrucha, which is the worst uh, gang in El Salvador, can say, wait a minute, buddy. This guy is not only admitting that he was doing drugs, but he's admitting he's still doing them in the United States with yeah. a U.S. visa, you know, which is a federal... No, and what bothers me about all of this as a contradiction in terms is that we've got a royal on one side of the fence, and then we seemingly have an administration who is just allowing the massive flow of fentanyl into our borders, no real sanctioning to speak of. And just so that being said, I'm wondering what is the real control on drugs? What is in other words, if they're allowing all of that massive breach of the rule of law, of federal law, of drug trafficking, why are they going to sanction someone like Harry? So, but, but again, he, he's on the world stage. He has incredible deterrent power. Let's hope there is some kind of statement made that says, you know what? Illegal immigrants, immigrants, foreigners, nationals, you don't do this in the United States. Uh, somebody's got to draw the line and make a statement about it. Otherwise, we totally lose control of the rule of law and we are effectively done. Yeah. You know? Samantha, let me tell you something here. But Ron thinks that Prince Harry's a genius. So I'm going to throw uh, something here. I'm going to throw this here. I'm going to stop here. What if Harry's been used by these drug people? Because Harry's been endorsing the use of drugs. He's been endorsing the use of drugs, not for medicinal purposes, because he claims not to have anything wrong with him. He just liked the way he feels about it. But what if it's a puppet for people? Because, you know, these drugs are, you know, ayahuasca and the others that we can't say here are actually legal. It's a big business right now in California. Okay. I wonder not, if he's getting a cut. The sort of normalize, like a sort of like a no. passive normalization campaign. No, probably. and what what he was doing erroneously was justifying it under the laurels of therapeutic benefits. I'm gonna call bullshit on that right now. I'm a counselor and I would never, it would be so unethical to give a client or in, in, uh, encourage and enable substance abuse for therapeutic progress. Uh, no, no counselor with a license yeah. would endorse that. It's injurious to a client because it endorses further addiction. Uh, and it's a, it, it encourages the client to continuously detach from reality. So that's bullshit. So for him to try and say, oh, there are therapeutic benefits to it, rationalize it however you want. It's wrong. It doesn't fly. Eh, next. You know, uh, yeah. not not and to send that message 
to young people, especially teenagers. Oh, my God. Well, he what says he likes how he makes him feel. No, this man no, this I, I, counseling. I think out of everyone that's in the public eye in America, I think if if anyone is proactively talking about drugs, I think Prince Harry's the only one we don't have to worry about the youth listening to. Okay, I don't think anyone <laughs> under about 50 gives a rat's ass about what Harry has to say with regards to taking on board for their own life. Uh, now, listen, Samantha, I've, I've always had this weird theory, right? I like to go a bit out the box. I like to throw mm -hmm. things at people so they're forced to think about things, right? And I, I have a theory that Harry is the evil genius in all of this. Okay, and he has spent his whole life since his mother died. Just bear, bear with. There's a bit of a bit of a B movie, B movie plot here. Do you know what I'm saying? So, do you think it's possible that Harry is smart enough to be the one that's in control of all of this, knowingly um, playing the victim, so that when it all collapses, he's got this big trump card that he can go, "Well, I was the victim." It was all Megan, and it was me being led down the, the path to, to lawyers by Elton John and, and this, that, and the next thing. No, no. I do not. Um, my, Still just me, Paula. Still no, just me. No, no, no. My take, um, and it goes back a little bit deeper, it has to do okay. with um, psychoanalysis. I okay. think, as many people have alluded to, uh, that Harry is dealing with a modicum of arrested development, attachment issues possibly related to his mother. And I think at some point in his development when he was a young adolescent, especially um, because of the trauma related to the loss of his mother, I feel personally, in my opinion, that he, his development was arrested. He stopped developing. And with that arrested development comes a deprivation of development in social skills, development in the frontal lobe, development in getting the big picture in the world. And so someone who lacks all of that, in my opinion, really isn't capable of the kind of calculation who see the big picture. I don't think I don't I, I I don't think he if we're gonna if we're gonna make assumptions on 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 Harry's psychological condition, then I'll throw my two cents in, which okay. is I believe then there's just as strong an argument to say that his mind split and he disassociated with who he was and a completely new personality was created to defend the younger Harry. And we've seen okay. cases of EID where children have got vast right. knowledges and intelligences beyond their years. So I'm just throwing that in there as my little curveball. But although, you know, like a lot of these young people being forced to make decisions about gender when the frontal lobe isn't adequately developed, even if he hypothetically went into a split, yeah. I believe that split might enjoy the sense, the false sense of empowerment, yeah. might enjoy a sense of being a rebel and getting revenge and taking charge because yeah. it doesn't seem like as the younger sibling and with younger sibling syndrome, Many kids who had to compete with older siblings don't really feel empowered. They feel disempowered. So maybe for the first time in his life, because of what paid PR and the media have given him across the pond, now he feels a false sense of being emboldened, empowered, even though it's empowered, even though it's not mature and developed yeah. or rational, it seems like, you know, an endorphin surge for him.
at yeah. times. It's, it's quite a, a weird history as well, because when we talk about younger brother syndrome in mm. regular people, Harry's actually part of the, the, the very few generations of royals where, you know, and now it's not customary to kill your older brother so that you can get the throne. But 150 years ago, you know, which is relatively short amount of time in, in the vastness of the monarchy, it was very much the norm. You know, these things happened all the time. So adding on that cultural difference, and I, I honestly think that Harry wandered around the palace a lot, kicking things, going, oh, if it was 200 years ago, I could just push him out the palace window. Do you know well, what I mean? Check this out. I don't know if this, this went right over a lot of people's heads, but in okay. despair, it was reported yeah. that he let out this fantasy of a plane chasing his father that would have killed his father, but didn't because he gave orders to back off. So, okay. I mean, that kind of sick fantasy of... Well, there you go. Exactly. ...killing your father. Ah. Like, come on. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think they're, they're definitely... He's definitely engaging in fantasies of power. And um, and it's coming out in weird bubbles, in weird ways, like in Spare, uh, in some of his interviews. So I think there's a lot that's dormant there that would benefit from counseling. I am roasting. In the, in the one that I disagree, or not disagree, but for example, you and I were put in places out of our choices. It was our beyond our control. I found myself in this situation just because I wanted to get divorced to a very important man in Norway who had access to government and mm -hmm. press, right? And so you're we're put in situations that's beyond our control. But Harry was not in that position. In fact, he is in a position of control, and he's always been, and he's always been taken care of by Buckingham Palace PR machine. Which is why he went to, I did my video today, which is why he went to Afghanistan. Not, he was sent to Afghanistan, not because he's a big hero, but because they were trying to rehabilitate his image because of all the big racist things that were happening in order to control him and then or to, to rehabilitate their image. And my, my, my take is that Harry is, uh, has a very low IQ. I don't even think he meets the minimum He's Forrest Gump IQ. I really do believe that. <laughs> he had, no, I'm serious. There's nothing wrong with that. Because Forrest Gump, he was a millionaire. But um, what, what has happened is that Harry, all his life, has been sheltered. Yep. His scandals have been washed off. Yep. Uh, he's used to people taking care of things for him. And the difference for me is that, that I see is that PR back then had the best interest at heart at the monarch for the, at the for the monarchy right. and by extension harry because harry was part of the monarchy so therefore they they managed his pr his image as best as they could whereas right now he's in the united states where the united states you know they it's it's what sells is sensationalism it's not as much as you know we're gonna take care of your image harry no it's whatever sells yeah. and they don't care whether his image is down in the dumps or whether whether he's exposed as the biggest idiot and Meghan markle in my very humble opinion is looking out for number one Meghan markle and she's gonna yeah. sacrifice harry to make oh, sure that her no, no, no. I mean, you, but but still, there's an umbrella there that covers them both, and you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people don't know that there are like seven or eight publications that are under the hub 
under the control of their paid PR uh, company and teams. So that being said, when you read articles in the United States that are left skewed, in my opinion, many of them are DNC backed, um, they are skewing social perception in a way that is favorable to them. And if they do something that, you know, the moral majority think might be even heinous, for example, those publications will find a way to candy coat it, make it look cool and eccentric, or spin away from it and say, yeah, but this is generating this and, you know, they're innovators and they're, no, they've, they've broken a lot of rules. That's not, you can call it innovative, but I call it being deviant. And I think there are sanctions for that, but go ahead, keep trying to make it cool all you want. And, and one of the things that you hit on is that the public also don't realize is that while he whines about the media and he whines about disinformation is that he fails. He purposely, in my opinion, omits to tell everybody that they still control a significant portion of that social perception. And so that being said, it seems like he's just pissed off that he can't control it all. And it seems like he's pissed off that some people have come to see the light and are not willing to cover his slop anymore. You know, he can throw tantrums and do the wham all he wants and call the wambulance. But the bottom line is, I think the world gets it when you have Megyn Kelly, Tucker Carlson, uh, you know, um, uh, other um, GB News, when you have British broadcasters, Piers Morgan, hitting the nail on the head and saying, no, we get it. We're not covering for you anymore. You're behaving like a jerk. What you're doing is wrong. That is progress because then we're starting to see that the almighty dollar or the British pound does not control everything. Some people are willing to put principle and truth ahead of Paola. And so, you know, he, he can play that game, but I think his candle has become a candle in the wind, as his good buddy Elton John would say. And not about his mother, but just about yeah. this. Whole you know, what's also very interesting. Is oh, we froze. You know what's also very interesting is that it's come out that it was Megan who was leaking the stories about their location when they landed at, Pier, uh, at Tyler's Perry's right. mansion, you know, and it's on the Freedom of Information Act obtained by Raider Online because they were being sued by Megan. Oh, you know, they're leaking all these terrible stories. So the police, because they're so stupid, you know, they involved drones, which is illegal in the in the in California to fly over people's homes. You Can know? So because they in, involved the use of drones, the police had to get involved. And at Radar Online, in order to defend themselves, mm -hmm. they were the ones who told them, no, we need to get this because actually it was her team. It was Meghan Markle who told us where they are and she wanted us to do this. You know, so in order to defend themselves, they had to get that. So she, they exposed themselves by making all these things up. It's like the New York car chase. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if it's any coincidence, and I wonder where the drones that were flying over my house came from. And I'm not going to say that a couple of them ended up beelining into the ground or how, uh, but I guarantee you fly a drone over my house and it's legal at night. And chances, yeah. of you, chances of you taking your $50,000 drone back to its base is probably nil. It's slim, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I've got I've got an interesting one, right? The last few weeks, Paula, we've spoken about Harry and his 
his upbringing and about how his privilege and now that he's separated from that and his and his mental state with 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 trying to adjust to normality, so to say. After Spotify took took away Megan's podcast and the the reaction to the taxi moment, okay, which really wasn't good for their public image at all. Where do you think Megan's head's at right now with the fact that she's only got Netflix left to hold on to, uh, Sam? Where do you? How do you think she's feeling, and what do you think? Her, where it's going to push her? Um, you know, in my opinion, even though we'd like to think that most people get it now, um, a lot of bridges have been burned. There's probably someone out there still willing to take a gamble but you know like we're seeing with all this woke stuff with Bud Light and with these other companies when you find that something doesn't work and you take a huge profit hit why gamble again the probability statistically of success is 0.0000012 so if there's somebody out there that looking at the trajectory is willing to do more business deals maybe they're so rich that they don't care about the losses they can write them off yeah. Whatever. And sometimes bad press is better than no press. So some people see it that way. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really kind of feel as though there needs to be a rebranding. I think this oh. stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I would. I, I don't know if Megan and Harry, the brand, could ever recover mm-hmm. as a couple. No. I think they would need to separate. Harry come back to the royal family, right? Take his licks in the royal dungeon from the royal flipping courtmaster whip general. And then they can both rebrand. They can both come out from the act. Because then they can both blame each other for why they were both pieces of shit when they were together. Well, what's so, what's so weird? This is like kind of twofold. First of all, I'll say that, and people have asked me about this, in a relationship, in a marriage, when you've got a couple who have been busted, and this is... Not my word against anyone else's. It's salient in the media. They've been busted about lying to the world about so much. The probability of them being honest to each other within the relationship while they're lying to the rest of the world is not statistically significant. It's probably, they're probably not even trusting each other. If they're witnessing what's going on, the reality is that there's probably a lot of distrust there. Um, I don't think that that is a formula for a healthy relationship or personal and business success. Yeah, no, I agree. I think- uh, and, and, and similarly, I don't think other people who would go into business with them would feel a sense of trust. So um, it seems really risky. Um, you know, for- I'm going to say something really horrible, but it, I, that's how I feel. It's just that no man who is mentally and emotionally stable would get involved with Meghan Markle. The way she is, oh, because, uh, for example, Trevor Engelson is a lovely bloke. I'm sure you know him, uh, but he seemed like a very sweet, naive guy, easily to manipulate uh, and stuff like that. Then we have Idiot Harry. Corey Vitello is a lovely bloke. Again, very soft, very, very. They have emotional issues that your sister, in my very humble opinion, is able to exploit um to its full capacity get and 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 i mean harry no. i don't i don't know if it's true or not i mean you don't have to answer but uh, oh, it's no, been on no. the media that harry wanted to meet your father i'm all over this right there with you sister 
Uh, you know, it's just, no, no, listen, there are a lot of men in the world who, for whatever reason, when they were younger, men bond with their mothers. Thanks for watching our podcast. Is with my sponsor. It's AG1 by Athletic Greens. So Jen, as a pregnant woman taking AG1 in the morning, how's that helped you? Well, with the low energy I've been having due to being pregnant, AG1 has helped give me that morning boost that I've really craved. Bear in mind, if you are pregnant, consult a doctor before taking AG1. Jen and I get AG1 delivered every month, which makes it super easy to have as a daily habit. With the single serving travel packs, I never have to miss a day. Just mixing the powder into the water, drinking it first thing every morning before breakfast. That simple. If you're looking for an easy way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash Sean. Check it out. That's the word from our sponsor. Thanks for watching. Link in the description box below this video for AG1. But in, in our fast-moving lives, people are so quick to believe the bold font words that they see without questioning Correct. anything. And Correct. I say that because if you read something, you know, not only do you want to do your homework, but even if something on the surface, like a document, seems at face value to be legit, there's no follow-through. There's no deductive reasoning that says, well, gee, if that was true that person would have been arrested if that was true. Because, you know, if someone's saying horrible things about you, the law and the world doesn't just go, oh, well, you're so cute. We're going to let you skip off into the sunset. If there was any merit to it, there would have been follow through legally. There would have been evidence more than anything. So people can say anything they want, but you have to ask, where's the evidence? Where is visual, verifiable, legitimate, qualified evidence? Not because somebody said it, not because somebody said in an article, oh, she staged a car crash. Where do you have evidence? Where do you have photos of vehicles colliding? Where is the evidence? And people like read something and they're like, oh my God, we're back to the 1600s. Seriously, you are a witch because John Doe said you are, and John Doe is influential. People don't have the bravado to look at John Doe and say, uh, excuse me, you might be John Doe, but where's the proof of this? Yeah. What, you know, really, it's weird. I'll give you another example, Ron. For two years, I kept saying, uh, the monarch, the queen at the time, can strip all royal titles with a letter's patent. She doesn't, that, the, the monarch doesn't have access to many things, but one of the things that's an absolute prerogative of the monarch are all honorary titles, HRH, prince, princess, because those are royal honorary titles, right? Um, and I gave the example. And a lot of people actually during that time, they were writing uh, petitions to the UK parliament saying strip Harry because YouTubers like Lady C kept saying, oh, it's so difficult. Parliament has to do it. So people kept writing letters to parliament petitions, like official petitions and the official uh, parliament site. Parliament responded in writing. If you go to the UK and I even posted those things, if you go to the UK parliamentary thing where you put the, the petitions, they responded in writing saying we do not 
have anything to do with the honors. I'm paraphrasing, but at the end of the day, they say it's an absolute discretion of the monarch. And in sp I put the phone number because you can call in spite of the fact that I presented the same petitions and everything because Lady C was saying, no, it has to be parliament. People kept calling me, you're an idiot, you're an ignorant Latina, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah. When the queen died, Lady C did a video where she said that the king with the stroke of a pen could get rid of Harry's titles. And then I got a bunch of people hopping into my channel saying, you were right, Lady C, just confirm what you said, Paula. And I'm like, I don't want to hear you. I don't, and I'm angry about it because for some reason, you know, like, and I kept posting, if you go to the UK and you, Sam, you can look at it because when you remember when Harry and Meghan left, everybody kept doing petitions, petitions, petitions. Yeah. And I kept saying to people, go fund me petitions. Don't work. They have to be UK parliamentary petitions, you know? And, and if you go, they answer back. It's in writing. I posted the four letters I got from parliament back from different people saying, we cannot do anything about this because parliament has nothing to do with royal titles. It is up to the monarch. Wow. Okay. So that, that being said, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, um, when we hear that Harry was out there boasting about killing 25 Taliban, oh, disgusting. when we hear about national security threats to Great Britain, when we hear about slinging around royal titles against the United States Constitution and that is pissing off congressmen, patriots, everybody, because that is pretty serious. That's a huge foreign conflict of interest when you've got people using royal titles to interfere in American politics. When you've got congressmen writing letters to the palace about that and, to, and when you've got someone who came over here uh, allegedly in violation of immigration law, does drugs, does whatever he wants, doesn't care about our rules, who gets out there and calls our First Amendment freedom of speech bonkers as he uses that freedom of speech to spew whatever he feels like, who uses freedom of speech in the United States and Great Britain, but from the safety of being across the pond in the United States, to write spare and talk about his todger and say horrible things about his father. To think that the King of England, who allegedly has the power to strip the titles that are integral in the abuse of not only American laws, but British laws and public perception, and is seemingly apathetic and not doing anything about it. It's a real head scratcher because then you wonder, is this King uh, sending out the message to the world that there are no boundaries. It's a dangerous message to send to the Muslim community that his own son can brag about killing 25 Taliban member with no public apology, with no repercussion, that he can violate uh, immigration law with no apology, with no statement to the United States, to patriots in Congress, and we're an ally allegedly but that it goes under the rug and is being enabled uh, rather than dealt with, with you know, some spinal fortitude. If you have the strength and the power to represent and to uphold in the eyes of the world, the rule of law, human decency about how to treat others, about how to abide by NATO alliance contracts and, and, and to set a precedent 
that those things that we hold dear will be taken seriously and you don't just because you have a reckless son and you don't want to deal with it. In my opinion, that's what's going on. And I am sorry, but that is not the way to handle things. Um, you can't have a child who's grown up now, who is a bull in a china shop on the world stage, making a mockery of Great Britain and the United States. Take me out of the whole Markle royal family circus and just let me deal with this as a patriot, as a constitutionalist, as an American citizen. I will say I have a very big problem with that. I have a big problem with royals using their titles to campaign against Donald Trump to talk about women's issues, to insult our freedom of speech as he abuses it. I have a very, very big problem that this is seemingly being ignored by the King of England. Forgive me, but I'm speaking the truth. And if nobody likes it, that is not my problem. That's your problem. Yeah, and I you really know. hope, I really hope something is done about this circus. Not, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, the King can issue a letters patent. And I actually gave an example of the 1917 letters patent, which was written because Queen Victoria, I actually did the whole history of this. Queen Victoria made everybody prince and princess and the royal highnesses. So in 1917, I think it was King George V is the one who said, you know what, there's too many of us going around. And because of mon monetary reasons, they said, I'm going to write a letters patent and I am going to reduce who's going to be called prince princess who's going to have his or her royal titles so when he signed that letter yes it gets sent to parliament and parliament of course approves it that is basically just you know the, many many prince and princesses woke up being mrs mrs smith basically you know no and i mean they're, they're egg, i don't mean to cut you off there are really weird exigent circumstances here that people worldwide are making excuses for to the detriment of not only him, but to the detriment of two countries, in my opinion. Yeah, it's tragic he lost his mother. Yeah, it's tragic he's seemingly unhappy in this relationship and suffering arrested development. But that does not give him the right on continuum to make a mockery of the United States and of Great Britain. And in my opinion, you know, I understand that fathers like King Charles and like my dad want to keep extending the olive branch. And it's called from a parent uh, in psychology, it's called enabling. You wanna be an authoritative parent, one who has authority, but that's sensitive. Because if you're too sensitive, you're an enabler. And what you're doing, you're actually damaging your own child because you're sending the message to him that this is okay. He can keep doing whatever he wants. And you know what? He's gonna figuratively crash his plane into a mountain because you're not steering him up. You're not giving him the tools to navigate the right way. And so it's a detriment to him. It's a detriment, in my opinion, to Great Britain and a disappointment to the people who are watching this going, why isn't he throwing some boundaries down? You know, a loving parent isn't just a softie. A loving parent has to have tough love and have boundaries. If you love your son, you will say, this is not to be tolerated. And I'm gonna help you, but you're gonna play this game my way so that you can pull your life up in a positive direction. King Charles needs to have, in my opinion, the wherewithal to do that. Great, you love your son. Uh, my dad loves my daughter. 
but that doesn't mean you let them, or my daughter, his daughter, my sister, that doesn't mean you let them do whatever they want. You have to say, because I love you, I'm not going to let you do this. This is deleterious to you. I'm going to show you how to do the right thing and you have to abide because I don't want you to suffer consequences that you might not be able to handle, you know, not only for yourself, but for others around you. So um, King Charles, please do something. Yeah. yeah, it is also, it is also very, um, it is all, ooh, it is also very, um, in order for you to have, you know, you teach your children what's right and what's wrong. So they are able to integrate themselves in society. Harry was, has never been taught that. And on top of that, he has power or at least some influence because of who his father is. And, and he's using it for all the, the wrong reasons, because since, since he and Meghan Markle have been hitting this, the world stage, and I've been talking a lot about that, they have, they had a platform to do good, highlight your sister, that archetypes crap she did, it was not about po positive thing. She didn't do about single mothers. Now that she claims Doria raised her as a single mom, she could have done something about geriatric pregnancies because she was one, supposedly. So, um, you know, and talk about the, the dangers of that, being, being a mother at a late stage, single mm -hmm. motherhood, how to help each other, how to build a better community, bring, uh, bring uh, for example, she could have had like a great um, panel of single mothers, you know, of what it was, what are the challenges, how they can help. Uh, she could have done, you know, but no, instead she went diva, bimbo, because she's trying to justify the fact that she chose to be on Deal or No Deal. This is not ifs and or buts. She didn't. She wasn't a starving person who didn't have a home. She chose deal or no deal, and now but, she's embarrassed of it. That's it. But I mean, the, the caveat, the whole what what's so mind blowing to me is whether it's the woke, the DNC, the media. There's they're 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 desperately needing help. They're needing focus. They're needing real guided support, and they are surrounded by enablers who don't have their best interests at heart. They're surrounded by enablers who want to, you know, shape a social perception, use them as royal trophies to, you know, uh, rein in a certain percentage of the population for the DNC. They want to get them on stage. They want to have them speaking. They want to shape social perception using them. But they don't care if their mental health is suffering because if they did, this would have stopped long ago. We have seen Harry spiral since the beginning of all this, in my opinion, he's gotten slightly worse. He's become more reckless seemingly. He has spewed more stuff. He, uh, if you look at all of the pictures of him, his facial expressions don't reek of happiness. And you can tell when they're forced and fake. He looks like a stressed out man losing his hair who has lost control, who doesn't know which end is up. And all of these people who are using them are not going to save their ascots. So, you know, but, but they'll, they'll feel as, a, as an opiate, as a euphoria when they look in the mirror and when they shake hands and mingle at galas, they'll feel like, oh, these people love me. These people get me. These people are supporting my message. No, these people are using you because they can make money off of you. These people don't care about your mental health or they would tell you, Harry, to go back to Great Britain, get into counseling, serious counseling. Stop the substances. They wouldn't enable your substance abuse. They would be concerned for you, those children, your wife, and, and, and want you to get into counseling and not serve their own agendas. This is all bullshit. I'm not even going to use fluffy words. 
this is a circus that the world is witnessing and it doesn't look good for Great Britain. It doesn't look good for the United States. So. No, who, and, who, and also Sam, you know, if the thing is though, in the United Kingdom, when they were working royals, because I mean, they didn't really work. The, the, the staff that they were given, it was given to them. They allegedly bullied them. So because they yeah. couldn't officially fire them, they bully them. And now the staff that they have, if they don't agree with what they say, they get fired. I mean, Megan has a huge revolving door of staff going through. And I mean, the lady, you know, when she won the award for archetypes, the lady, um, uh, Nunaki, she said, she said that she was really angry because Meghan Markle just ate, it gave, um, you know, when, when Spotify and them were parting ways, they released a statement. Megan said, uh, Megan said at the time, I loved digging my hands into the process, sitting up late at night in bed, working on the writing and creative. And I loved digging deep into meaningful conversations with my diverse and inspiring guests, laughing and learning with them. It has been such a labor of love. But then we have the lady who actually produced it. <laughs> Megan's head of audio at Archwell ranted on TikTok that she, not the Duchess, created Spotify podcast archetypes just week before she quit she quit Team Sussex. And her name is Rebecca Sananes. You can Google her up on, on TikTok. She was saying that she was really angry, but Megan is claiming that she did when she did nothing. Well, you know, it, it's weird because well, we're in a place in history where everything is inverted, seemingly. Lies are the truth, uh, right is wrong. It's not just the woke. But when you look at these two, I don't know, you guys, did you ever wake up and get the memo that lying, abusing, and disposing of people is the new humanitarian definition? I missed that memo, I guess. Uh, because they seem to have such little regard for humanity, for people around them. Instead of, if you're a humanitarian, and look up the definition... Yeah. You lift people up. If you think you're the smartest person in the room, you educate people. You don't go, oh, I'm yes. the smartest person in the room, so I'm leaving. If you're the richest person in the room and you can, you lift people up and you help them. If you're the, you know, if you're the whatever, you bring people up. You don't step on them just so you can feel like you're at of the course. top. But we're talking about Meghan Markle. We're talking about the toxic narcissist, like the be end all of all toxic narcissists. I mean, give me one relationship where she's left that relationship and moved on, hasn't destroyed it completely. She has a, a an MO of jumping from situation to situation and, and what, destroying. Yeah, and what, well, what's weird about it, you're a man, yeah. uh, and as women we know, yeah. some people, when they leave relationships... As, as Trevor said, he felt like gum on a shoe. Yeah. Some people apologize. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. It's not. Oh, no, she's it's back. Me. Some people might give an excuse like, I'm sorry. It's not you. It's me. Yeah. But some people apologize. I have never, ever in PR or of her own mouth heard her apologize about anything. Why Watch would she apologize? She's not done anything wrong in her brain. She's, she's still a victim in her brain. She is a victim of everybody else's flaws that don't mesh with hers. And when they don't mesh, she destroys and moves on. She is the, the, the great pretender 
Sammy, is what she is. The great pretender. But if you have a functioning frontal lobe, when you... Have a frontal lobe. No, no, but I mean, but listen, there was a point at which they both said, oh, we don't look at the media. We don't read the tabloids. We don't... Bull malarkey, you know, bull honga. Um, because then they come out and they sue and they complain about it. The point is, I'm sure that in the media and in social media, they have seen salient discussions about this, salient discussions about how many people were hurt, salient discussions about the specific behaviors that resulted in these consequences that not only hurt others, but that were unfavorable to them, such as the negative PR. Yeah. Isn't, can't they do the math and say, gee, even if they are narcissists, if you're a narcissist and you know something's not working, like the old saying, keep doing what you did, you'll always get what you got. Yeah. But if you're a narcissist and you're self-serving, you might ask yourself, gee, what I'm doing isn't really working for me because there's all this negative press out there. What do I have to do? And where's the win-win situation? Where's the big Dale Carnegie fix to this so that I can be put in a favorable public light. I, as the narcissist, if they can't even do that math, you know, you would think a narcissist and people have accused her of being so calculating. If you're calculating, you would get that what you're doing is not working. And that instead of being totally self uh, preserving and selfishly driven, what you might do, how about this? live up to the humanitarian, find a way, do some research, create those win-win situations. What's so hard about that? It takes just as much effort to, to create a win-win no. as to be self-serving. She, she doesn't want to get her hands dirty. We, we just, we, we, she stole someone's podcast idea. She doesn't, want, she doesn't even want to put input her own thoughts into things. I, I, I just don't. Let me, let me, let me just interrupt you a little bit. You know, somehow you went and we were talking about how people enable her. Okay. Yeah. If we go, literally, let's be brutal about this. Okay. You talk about the press, right? Why do you think Harry and Meghan are only suing the UK British press? Because they're the only ones calling them out. Because in the U.S. media, as you rightly say, they, oh, you know, they're the, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. She's getting the personal emails of the U.N. ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And, and you know, like she's getting personal phones of Congress, Republican Congress women. You know, so if you really let's think about this, just give me a look. What have they lost? Really? Meghan Markle now is the Duchess of Sussex. Yeah. Um, she they have she lives in a mansion. The PR machine in the United States, which is her market, that's where she's she doesn't care about the UK, no. but the US is her market, and her market is telling her that she's wonderful. No, what what have they lost? What have they lost really? The UK and people like me are calling them out, and I get trashed oh. all the time. But in the US. You know, Pidina, I was calling, I was talking to Pidina when Harry didn't show up the first day of in court. And Pidina was going, but no, no, it's until tomorrow. I said, no, Pidina, it was today that he had to be. But there's nothing like that. CNA just said that he's, tomorrow is his first day in court, you know. And and they were, they're, they're reporting that thing. And it's like, wow, Prince, Prince Harry won against against uh, the Heritage Foundation. What have they lost? And Meghan Markle and Harry have never ever to this day faced any consequences for their actions. Your father is still well, asking I, forgiveness. I, I, I don't know I, why. I'm, 
I'm going to disagree with you on several grounds. First of all, um, the, the American media is not all in her camp. I read stories this morning about Spotify canceling her, about Netflix possibly regretting their decision. I've read stories that suggest that a lot of these business empires are waking up. They're not happy with the results. They're not happy with the way they were treated. They're not happy with the lies that they, in some cases, have a liability for because they entered into contractual agreements thinking that they were entering in fully informed consent and finding out later that that was not the case. So that is burning bridges. So that, yeah. that says to me, they don't get to do whatever they want and they're not getting away with it. Similarly, when you talk about that, have them having a mansion, it's my understanding. Montecito is not paid for. So you can be renting a Mercedes. That doesn't mean it's yours and you're on top of the world. Uh, it, the bank owns that house. Anybody can rent, anybody can have a mortgage, yada, yada. That, and, and that's material. Material things don't mean that you're successful in getting away with everything. They still have a lot to answer for in terms of their own actions, in my opinion. They burned a lot of bridges. And the world gets it. The media that is covering their ascots are the clustering, you know, cluster lingering few that still fluff them in hopes that there's going to be some epiphany and breakout and all of this negative stuff is going to go by the wayside but there's too much out there now you can only candy coat a road apple so much yeah before it starts to stink uh it definitely and, and i'm sorry but that's the truth it, it definitely seems to be that these companies are waking up yeah um, i think we're going to see that snowball effect continue interestingly enough samantha are the Articles that you are referring to are they mainstream televised news or is it? They're mainstream. Whether it's yeah. it's and it's not only conservative. It's um, okay. there's Newsmax, there's Fox, who is now being accused of being a little bit left. But I think more of these publications now are realizing um, that there's something to be said for the truth, and no matter how rich you are, you can keep paying PR. But you can't hide, you know, you can't hide the obvious. You can't. Um, and, and they're also realizing that if they write articles that are fluffy when the rest of the world is seeing the truth, whether it's about Bud, Bud Light, like imagine a PR company now trying to fluff that whole mess. You can't. The cat's out of the bag. Similarly with this, you know, when you attack the royal family on continuum, when you lie about everything, when your lives are falling apart. You can't claim to be the epitome of success and mental health wellness when you're yeah. demonstrating the exact opposite on the world stage. So, you know, take it you know, for what You and I have had this conversation before, Sam, that I thought that, you know, Meghan Markle had such a golden opportunity when, when she got married. For example, you have advanced MS, which is something that needs to be highlighted because it's, it's an illness that needs a lot of research. Meghan Markle had such a great opportunity to make that a very good platform to yeah. bring 
to bring that into the spotlight, get funding for research. You know, here's my sister, you know, she has MS. I mean, I'm not saying anything disabled or anything like that, but she, you have MS, but this is my oh. sister. The funding can be done. I'm going to use this sudden huge platform to see donors. She would have gotten so many donations for no, look at Yeah, no, it's not just about me. Look at Christina Applegate, who she interacted with yeah. because my dad worked on Married with Children who has MS. Let's look at the genetic component to MS. So for her to think that she could escape unscathed when the same genetic locus for MS uh, is also integral in rheumatoid arthritis, there's a genetic component to it. She is my paternal blood half-sister through our dad. It's genetic. So for her to think that it might not affect her or even her children in the future, would be foolhardy. That being said, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not about me. So she maybe should have thought, wow, this is genetic. It could be an issue for me someday, but I don't want to be selfish. It's affecting millions of people worldwide. It's devastating. It affects young people at the peak of their lives. There's a genetic component, but there's also um, an environmental trigger seemingly. And research is, you know, making uh, incredible strides at finding a way to get on top of this, moderate symptoms, cut down and or stave off progression altogether using stem cell therapy, chemotherapy. And she could have used her platform, not only to, in consideration of me or her own genetic relationship, but for so many others who are living with this because of no fault of their own. I didn't smoke to get MS or take drugs or, I'm sorry, I'm not insulting smoking. But I'm saying it was nothing that I ingested or did knowingly that was causal in this. Similarly, with millions of people at the peak of their lives who live with this every day. And, you know, I don't want to be selfish. I, I try and, you know, take my ego out of it and say, yeah, if I had millions and billions, I would have done this for MS. But there are also other conditions. Children are born blind. Children who are not even seven years old yet have brain tumor and cancers. Like, how do you pick which charity is really important? And children have MS, too. So, um, you know, for me, I realized that a young teenager, but there are younger children yeah. who develop MS. And they might never go to a high school dance. They might never ski or run a five-minute mile. Um, it's very sad that yeah. she chose to just ignore it all. You're right, Paula. It's it's again testament to the inward facing narcissistic mind because she could have done so much. We've spoken about this, Paula. She, we, the, the nation would have accepted her as the new Diana template. You know, the nation was ready to embrace a royal, you know, and Harry, there was so much pinned on, on Meghan and it just fell apart. And, that's a great example, Paula, of how she could have done something that showed a little bit of outward thought and she missed the bar. Sam, I'm going to ask you just how, how, how is your dad doing in all? Like, how, how, is he, how is he doing present day? I mean, he done, he done an interview not so long ago. I think it was, was it in Australia or aired in Australia? I think it was. Um, and you could really see that it was like as if we're looking at two different worlds when we look at Megan and how she is and your dad. It's like you can't even believe they're both from the same narrative, if you, if you, if you see what I mean. It's 
devastation and cold hearted cold heartedness from from what I can see. So well, I, I, would, I mean, you can't control out for free will. And yeah. any parent who loves and nurtures and gives to a child in excess knows you can put all the tools in their toolbox, you can nurture them, but you can't foresee or control for them going left field and being totally self-serving at one point. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, my dad's amazing. He was totally unselfish. If I asked him for $20 for a movie when I was a teenager, he'd throw a 50 at me and say, have fun. Like yeah. he just gave and gave and gave and gave. And um, we still had to work. I still had to work in a donut shop and my other jobs. So there are people out there criticizing my dad saying, oh, he spoiled her too much. Just because she threw blueberries around the kitchen and... He gave us most of what we wanted and everything we needed doesn't mean we were spoiled. He still instilled in us the value of hard work. Yeah. And I mean, I, there was never a point in my life. I didn't work um, until disability and recently and going through challenges, the, the pandemic and the media stuff that was important. And it's about character and integrity. And the moral of that story is, you know, you don't take things for granted. And like our grandmother said, I'll try and make this brief. You know, you don't want someone to give you everything because then they can take it away. So if you're working and you have the strength to go out and do it again, you're calling your own shots and you have security because she was raised during the depression when that was important, especially for women. Um, and so for my sister seemingly to go left field and ignore all of that and the intrinsic value of that, not just the monetary stuff and the PR and the extrinsic stuff, but what it feels like in your chest, your heart and your soul to know that you did something more than that, that you reciprocated, that you were grateful and you love and appreciate those who saw enough in you and loved you enough to build you up. Like, where is all of that? And I can't, it, you know, I understand sociopathy. I understand narcissism. But how can someone look in the mirror or look at a picture of my dad suffering after going through two heart attacks and a stroke and unjust media attacks, wearing him down to nothing in his last years after he gave everything to us, to her. How can you look at that and, and rationalize and make excuses or ignore it? it? That is the biggest WTF ever in my life. Like when I go to my cemetery, I want WTF on my tombstone. I want, you know, yeah. because all of this in retrospect would have been what the flop. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, it, it, and just because of that. And my poor dad, you know, I, I want him in his last days. And when he goes, you know, when he's at the very end of his life, I don't want him to feel brokenhearted. I don't want him to feel that he wasn't loved and appreciated. My brother and I can shower him with love and appreciation, but there's still that big black hole there. There's yeah. still that arrow in his chest that nobody ever pulled out. It's like nothing will correct that physically. Yeah. So he can compensate and he can appreciate himself and feel love from others and make the most of his life. But the void is still there. And for her not to make it right, in my opinion, is just so unbelievably, it's like something Stephen King would write. It is 
evil. It is fundamentally evil. There is no other way to slice this apple. Yeah, because she she gives she she has already the the wording in Oprah in spare everywhere. She has already buried him. It's not she doesn't even talk about history of him, how wonderful he was. It's like she no longer has a father and she doesn't even you know how they're talking how how there were articles about Megan once She's determined for the children to get to know Grandpa Charles, right? And I, and I did a video about it. And I said, well, how about Grandpa Markle? He's right around the corner. I wonder if she goes around showing pictures of him because, okay, you claim no, that he's no longer around, implying that he's dead. But you, you, you knew him for 36 years. I wonder if she has any pictures of him and talks to her kids about him, you know? Sorry, I know, I know Ted Bundy and serial killers and extreme psychopaths would be an extreme comparison but many psychopaths objectify their victims to alleviate their guilt because if it gets personal and their heartstrings pulled they can't do it they can't uh kill people they can't use people so they write them off and justify it and make them like an object on a chopping block up ah, i you know moving right along uh and and i would write and Oh, they just didn't understand me. They just didn't appreciate my all the great things about me. Uh, it, it's just a rationalization. It's a coping strategy that is clearly psychotic, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. uh, especially when someone has loved you your whole life, given you everything. To shut that down and pretend it doesn't exist is psychopathic. There's no other way to slice that apple. And so if she's engaging in that to make it more comfortable to look in the mirror... You know what? The goddamn mirror is going to crack one of these days. And I feel sorry for you when it does, because when you wake up, if ever, it's going to be painful. And in my opinion, you deserve every moment of the pain you have put others through. It's called yeah. moral spiritual karma. Important yeah. word. K-A-R-M-A. Look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. You know that you know that Ted Kaczynski just passed away, the Unabomber, and I was thinking because he had another brother, right? They were brothers. And the mother, you know, I can I can only imagine your father being in that same situation when you have multiple kids and then one turns out like that you don't understand. And, and you wow. can see the parents, the parents are blamed because they, one of the kids like turned out like Ted Kaczynski or, you know, Ted Bundy, whatever. And they, they wonder, they go wondering through their minds, what did I do wrong? What did I do differently with this one that I didn't do with this? It's like a horrible guilt that they live with, that they think that they did something wrong to bring this human being into, you know, but they raised them all the same. They loved them all the same, but I can imagine your father must be wondering and looking back over and over what what he could have done differently oh, no no he knows there's nothing he could have done differently because he knows and we've talked about this like you both of you you know if you're in a relationship family friends otherwise and you do something crappy you make a mistake you weren't thinking maybe uh, on a given day you had a selfish motive and you did something and then this is how we grow and we progress and you say wow i am so sorry I fucked up. That was, I don't know why I did that. That was so wrong. I'm so sorry. I hurt you. Yeah. I'm so sorry. My brother, my dad, and I always apologize to each other. If we have a conversation and we disagree or somebody hangs up throughout our lives, we apologize to each other. It's called love. It's called awareness, uh, being present and in the moment. It's called personal integrity. It's called having a soul. 
And yeah. that has never, ever come from her. Not even as a child when she was young or when she was caught doing something wrong? She never apologized? I've never seen her apologize for anything. And to the best of my knowledge, neither has my dad. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, when they're small, like even when she was 12, if she did something I thought was crappy or kind of left field or weird, I didn't want her to feel sanctioned about it but i didn't know psychology then so i wasn't you know putting boundaries there or thinking about accountability or development but i i was thinking oh i'll just i'll just defer to her and let her have this because kids are kids you want them to feel special they're this is like a brain fart as they call it in the air force it's a moment where yeah. she's doing something kind of flippant but we'll let her have it and just you know write it off as cute and move right along ignore it brush it under yeah. the Therein lies the mistake, because whether you know you have a child that's a sociopath or a narcissist or not, you still have to be aware of these things as much as it might hurt to see their sad little eyes well up when you say no, as much as it might hurt to say no, you know what, that was really crappy of you. Go yeah. apologize. Some parents are afraid to do that because they don't want to see their kids cry or they don't want the kids to go, you're not my friend. I don't like you. I'm taking my toys and leaving. And my sister did that to my dad even when she was young. Well, I'm icing you for two weeks. Yeah, my dad lives up there, but we're not going up there because we're really not on good terms. That whole thing in that video was because um, in, I think it was Jam Yankees in a production with Gigi Perot, my sister was reportedly, by my dad's report, mad at Gigi. And because she was mad at Gigi and my dad wouldn't quit the production when she snapped her fingers, she was going to ice my dad for two weeks rather than saying, you know what, dad, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm having a disagreement with Gigi, but that's not your fault. I respect you for not walking off of the production. I love you and respect whatever you want to do, not what I want you to do and how I want to control you, but I respect whatever you want to do. And I love you. You're my father. That didn't happen. And so I think this has been an MO yeah. for a lot longer than we realized. Well, that, that's what I was about to follow up and ask you. Looking back now as an adult, uh, mm -hmm. a young Megan, do you, do you, and, and even just what you were saying there about parents saying to their kids to go and apologize, mm -hmm. there's kids who need that push when they're embarrassed if they've done something or whatever. But if mm -hmm. they do something simple, most kids apologize right away to their parents or to a sibling. And for you to have never seen that, right, goes beyond the kids needing a nudge and and looking back can you see uh a, a stage where you can see this this blossoming mindset and how it's just cascaded into adulthood yeah i mean you know in psychology like i said about authoritative parenting which is a combination it's an intersection between having and administering authority for their sa safety and well-being and what's right and being sensitive, sensitive to their needs, their developmental stage and needs, while also giving them boundaries and being authoritative, right? Of course. If you're more, if you're more sensitive and you're not authoritative, that is as bad as being an abusive or negligent parent. Because you're allowing them to get away with things that are going to hurt them, yeah. that are going to have reciprocal consequence consequences in their relationships, at school, in their jobs. And if you don't pull back on the reins, you're allowing them to be hurt, which is a form of abuse, some people would say. 
So I, I think, it, and, and the problem is you can't fault parents, especially the generation before us, because a lot of them didn't have degrees. They didn't know developmental psychology. They didn't know about authoritative parenting and how to land yourself bullseye in the intersection and strike a balance. They just thought they were either Ichabod Cranes, spoil the rod and spare the child, and they spanked and were abusive, or they were the other extreme, too lenient, because they didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. So um, I don't think my dad really knew. I mean, my dad from high school went into stage production and television and didn't, you know, didn't take, you know, kids back then in the, in the 60s, uh, 50s and 60s were given like home ec classes. They weren't given developmental psychology. They weren't given, they didn't have criminology classes. They didn't know about conditioning behavior and sanctioning behavior. So that being said, you got to cut them some slack. You can't say they're awful or negligent parents because they didn't know. And now in retrospect, um, I think a lot of parents, not just my dad, are probably feeling like, wow, I should have pulled back on the reins. But you can't see with every child. Some child, life is short and it's precious. So there's this reflex to love every moment of your child. Let them be happy. Let them do whatever they want because you don't know when life's going to end. But you have to partner that with boundaries and safety for them and for everyone around them. And it's, it's a tough balance to strike, especially when you have busy lives. My dad worked in television full time. Kids are in school all day. When they get home, you got to do homework. You know, you got to get papers done. You grab TV, you get bath time, and then you go to bed and you start the next day. So how much time do you have except for the weekends? to try and catch up on the, all of these developmental issues. It really is daunting when you think about how aware and engaged you have to be as a parent nowadays, especially to moderate everything that kids are exposed to in the media. Satanic worship, deviant lifestyles in the media, sex, I won't say sex in the city, but cheating on spouses <laughs> and doing drugs. And I mean, parents have to wear so many hats now. And those who don't have the educational skills to get the big picture and who don't have the time to be on top of it all day are going to miss the mark in some areas. So while you love your kids and it's shocking, there are some kids who will take advantage of those loopholes yeah. who will go far left field because they think you're not watching. Oh, I'm not going to tell dad this. He'll never know. And they're going to after school Satan clubs and they're having sex with boys in the back of a car. As a parent, you can't be everywhere all the time. So you got to hope to God that your kids are exposed to the right peers. Here is a word from today's sponsor, Aura. If you Google someone, you can find out all kinds of personal information about them. This information is accessible because of data brokers who profit by selling your information to robocallers, telemarketers, spammers. You can use my link, https dot dot forward slash forward slash Aura dot com. Aura is A-U-R-A. Forward slash Sean Atwood, S H A U N A T T Wood, to try two weeks for free and see how many data brokers are sharing your info. Also, linked in my description box on this YouTube version, or scan the QR code on the screen. Aura also monitors your emails and passwords to see if they were involved in a data breach and exposed on the dark web and gives you the recommendations on what to do. 
Aura has almost every internet safety tool you'll ever need all inside one app. And the right social messages. Unfortunately, now it's, it, they're often not. So sadly, while I don't want to blame my dad completely, there's a little part of me that doesn't want to blame my sister entirely because there may be an organic basis to a lot of this that wasn't recognized, as you said. Yeah. You know but I'm going I'm 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 to talk to you about something. Sorry to cut you up, but what about yeah. Doria? Everybody's blaming your father. Didn't Doria claim to have raised him? Because in Netflix, she said that she raised her from age two, uh, pretty much a single mom on her own. So why is everybody blaming only your father and not the mother if she was such an integral part of well, Megan? I, I'm going to point. I, I, I'm going to point you back to the fact that you can't use the word everybody unless you've spoken to everybody. People no, with know. people who are rational, conservative, have family values and a functioning frontal lobe now know that my father was her primary agent of socialization raised her mostly, um, did everything, dropped her off, picked her up at school, paid for school from the time she was a molecule to the time she went to Northwestern. Most people get that by now that it was my dad, but there's still this cluster of left media and Sussex Squad members and people who don't want to let go of their inflated fairy tale that plummeted and burst. And they're holding on to this idea that everything was perfect and that everyone who says it wasn't perfect and that she was wrong is a bad person and a villain. That's normal psychology. That's called being in denial. That's a coping yeah. strategy that's really dysfunctional. We see it in social media. We see it in families. It's normal because um, they don't want to be accountable. They don't want to admit that they were high on the wrong thing. They, were, they didn't want to abide by rules. They didn't want to go with what was right. So they held on to the fairy tale as a distraction from all of that. Cool. Deal with it now. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I mean, I think the whole thing with Doria, people don't want to let go of that because they've been propagandized. They got this idea again without looking for empirical evidence. What evidence do you have? Did you have teachers come forward? Did you see her signing off on papers and report cards? What evidence do you have to back up what you're saying? Uh, teachers, college administrators, Gigi Perot, people at the Little Red Schoolhouse, everybody knows. And what I said in my book, Lady C, Tom Bauer, people have verified. Doria did not raise Megan. Get that through your thick little troll skulls. The party is over with the lies. And for what period of time and when she was there, great. Mothers should be, but you don't write off a dad who was the, the primary factor in everything the child became, every breath, every stage she danced on, every paper, every laugh, every smile, every vacation, every everything, and move them out of the picture because it suits your political narrative, because it suits your wanting to grasp at mat matriarchy straws, because the person driving the PR wanted to hide the dad who could reveal that all of her lies that she told everybody, the royals, PR, everybody, were not real. And the one person who knew about all of that had to be silenced because he knows that it's all not true. Oh, God, I have to discredit and silence him. He loves me and built me and gave me everything, but I'm going to silence him 
to hide my own lies. That's what happened. You don't like it? Sue me. I have the receipts. These lies are not going to fly in the annals of history with any credibility because we will continually set the record straight. And I don't care what the DNC and what multi-million dollar PR want to do about it. You are not going to win this lying war. Mark my words. Hell yeah. I love it when you talk like that. You know, is it, yeah. I, believe it or not, I got an email because wow. you know I get emails, right? And I keep getting emails. The reason why the Duchess, because they don't like to talk to her, uh, they don't like to refer to her by her name, right? The Duchess is the reason why her mother, her mother has already suffered through much, you know, raising her on her own. I'm like, and I respond to these emails because I, you know, I feel like uh, obligated. I, I feel like, you know what? And I said, do your research, do your research, you know, because in the Netflix show, Meg, uh, Doria and Megan go to the little Red Riding Hood school, remember? And Doria's pretending. Did you see that part of the show where Doria goes to the little high school and uh, Red Riding Hood? Oh, yeah. And I used to come here and they're welcoming them and like, what is wrong with these people? Because they're playing along to these lies, you know? So I get a lot of people and it really bothers me because it's like, why do you want to blame everything bad on Mr. Markle and whatever good you perceive, give it to Doria. Yeah. it's, it's Because it's, that's what's happening. If Megan does something well, I, terrible, it's Mr. Markle's fault. If, yeah. if, if something, something is good, let me just before we... I want to give you this food for thought, both okay. of you. Sorry, I don't mean to be interruptive, but That's we got to put some stuff on the scales here. Okay. For all the people who say, oh, it was Doria. Don't believe that. Oh, you know, dad was horrible and not there and blah, 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 blah. My sister had a blog called The Tig, uh, a lifestyle magazine. Yeah. She never <laughs> bragged about Doria in The Tig. And if you watched her speech with the UN, it's like, Oh, my God, the world needs more men like my father. My father this. My father, you know, taught her how to draw her own box. Where was the bragging about Doria? Yeah. You know, you would think if Doria was the alpha and the omega, that there would be... A, a, a paper trail of bragging, shall we say. Right. Didn't okay, well, listen, listen, just before we continue on that, I just want to say welcome, P. Dinah. Um, Hello. She... <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Uh, we, she's going camera off today, and that's fine. I, I just wanted to make sure uh, she got a chance to come and join us. And yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me really quickly. I just wanted to say just about what you were talking about. It's really important that anybody that interviews Megan, I know at some point she will be interviewed. People will talk to her. They need to ask her why exactly what you were saying, Samantha, about why all of the bragging about your father, but you never spoke about your mother. And now the mother is supposed to be this hero who has brought you up coming from left field. What is that all about? Like she has to answer that question. I mean, she just has to. Right. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the other thing. Remember back after the wedding, there were so many PR articles that came out and they said, Dory is a social worker. She's a this, she's a that. And I'm not taking away from her education, even though she didn't hang her own license. That's cool. I get it. She still had a body of knowledge. But the PR was saying that she is their advisor in all things. Mm -hmm. How has that worked out? Right. You know, really, I'm personally, professionally, one deal after the other crashing. 
So this advisor and all things has, um, you know, turned everything into just a slow simmer until it was just flat and cold and not even cooking anymore. I mean, it's like a weird analogy, but it's like it went from hot and boiling and amazing and sensational and oh my God, she's our advisor and all things. And we're doing this and this and that to negative, negative PR, personal and, and um, professional relationships, just suffocating and, and becoming extinct. And um, so who's this advisor giving this advice that's having these consequences in your lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and if someone's a social worker, here's the other thing. No, no, I don't, I don't want to get too verbose and go too far left field. Okay. <laughs> here's her advisor in all things. If you're a social worker and you're advising two young adults to isolate family, to lie to the world, to attack a dying queen who's dying of cancer, and threaten her, and you're ignoring a father through two heart attacks and a stroke, and even uh, allegedly paying PR to do more damage as he's suffering to your whole family. You're, mm -hmm. you're a social worker and you're advising people to harm others, and now if you look at the consequences, harm themselves. What the hell kind of social worker are you? Give me that goddamn degree that you got out of the bubble gum machine, seemingly, <laughs> and put it where the sun doesn't shine because I have never, and I am a mental health counselor by degree, I would never advise people in a way that is deleterious to themselves and to others. It's unethical, it should be illegal, and shame on you if you can be a party to this. And never at one point did she come forward and say, you know what, Meg? Your dad gave you everything. He gave me everything. You need to apologize to him. You need to include him. You need to make things right. The damage was public. The apology needs to be public. I'm, yeah. a, social, I'm a social worker. And you know what, Meg? Because I love you, I want to see you do the right thing. Harry, do the right thing. Do the right things for yourselves and the kids. And God damn it, make things right with your father in a way that's not driven by... PR for a photo opportunity, yeah. but so that you can do what's right before you meet your maker, he meets his maker, and in God's eyes, do what is right. Uh, yeah, she won't no. ever do it, though. She'll no. never do it. No, that's not a social worker. That's a social destroyer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. She yeah. is definitely destroyed many lives. She needs to be accountable for that. Doria needs to own up, and she needs to tell her daughter to do the right thing. There's so many uh, negative things that have come out of this, and it is just so appalling to me that people can even reach out and, and say, certain things to me and to I'm sure you all as well about what we say about Megan, but how can people not see that what she is doing is so wrong? How she is trying to get ahead in life is always going to fail because she doesn't uh, have a, a foundation that is, is secure, ethical, coming from a good place. She's there to destroy and nothing will succeed for her until she does right. I just don't see how people cannot see this, how how wrong she yeah. is. She well, steps on others to get to where she is. She steps on others to get to where she is instead of carving a positive path 
for herself and everybody around her. And she has supposedly, supposedly she has children. Can you imagine those children being brought up by these people and a grandmother like Doria? What right. kind of principles are these kids? Are they, how can they teach them principles if they have none? Yeah. Well, people are probably thinking, oh, the kids are little. They don't notice yet. They're not aware of abstract concepts. They're just into eating, bathing, having fun, playing and bonding with mommy and daddy. But when we talk about bonds and we talk about two parents who seemingly are not there a lot or by their own uh, seeming refusal to be present in the moment, honest and contextually aware which is really important in the bonding and development of children. Like if you, if you can think that you're a mermaid, if you can think you had a secret wedding that you didn't have, and you can say that to the world convincingly, what kind of messages are you giving your children about reality? You're mm -hmm. saying this stuff out there that at one point they're going to read about or see in cyberspace. And the inadvertent indirect message that you're giving them is that lying is okay mm -hmm. without realizing that teaching them to lie is going to have even dangerous consequences to them so what are you doing to better their lives by living a lie that is um not honest that is not above board and that doesn't focus on giving them what they need by your own demonstration Mm -hmm. I mean, could we not put forward the argument, and I'm just throwing this out there from my uneducated brain, mm -hmm. we refer to Megan fixing things with her dad, not just for a photo opportunity and things like this. I mean, there is a possibility that those kids are a long-term investment and a prop to Megan, because the British public are always going to be interested in Prince Harry's kids as they, as they grow up, which keeps her in the limelight, and it makes a great photo opportunity uh, when she's out to be seen with those kids. So mm -hmm. is that not possibly within the realm of her crazy Cruella de Villism? Well, I think uh, so many people have watched, have seen Mommy Dearest with Joan Crawford. Yeah. That, one, that comes to my mind. She used her children as props for PR. Yeah. She treated them like crap when the media was gone. Didn't okay. let them keep all of their Christmas gifts and was so loving when the cameras were on uh, and had so many men in and out, made the kids uh, reportedly call them uncle. and was incredible, was a psychopath and abusive when there were no cameras around. So God forbid that should ever be the case. But when you start objectifying, as we just discussed, your own children, yeah. uh, not only do they feel it, they reciprocate, they treat others like that. They treat each other like that. And one day, sunshine, they're going to treat you like that. Mm -hmm. And sadly, they will be in your wake. You will have done, if, it's, if it goes on beyond the age of 12, you will have done irreparable damage to them. Yeah. But it will not go without consequences to you. So um, think of them first. But you got to realize that you, this is not a game. They're not toys. They are not your props in your living room. No. They're children who rely on you, who check in with you daily for social messages about their own safety and understanding about themselves, their identity, the world around them, but for love, for security, and they need to trust you. If you're lying to other people in front of them, they can't trust you. 
do you read my lips? Mm. You know, this really like needs, you know, not you know so there needs there needs to be, you know, an earthquake figure figuratively of a seven in their living room to shake them up enough to get them to realize this. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're getting to the age now where they don't understand abstract concepts yet. But by age seven through 11, oh, they're going to get it all. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to be an ugly, scary thing if you don't fix yeah. it. Yeah, I feel sorry for those. those that so how can they yeah. them about long lasting? Yeah, Pidana, no. also, how can Megan and Harry, well, mostly Megan, teach their kids about long lasting relationships when Megan discards everybody? Yeah. Yeah, they won't have that experience. They're not even going to know their own well, siblings. I mean, their cousins across the pond. They're not going to know. They're not going to have any real family relationships, none. And that I'm, right there in itself is going to be very hurtful to those children when they grow up because they're not going to have those close bonds. Well, it's scary. It's scary. The world nowadays, whether you turn on the TV or you just hear about it or you just see it as a child. It's really scary if they're demonstrating that you can't have long-term relationships and for their own sense of security in the world they're moving forward in, they're thinking in the back of their minds, well, I'm not going to have any long-term relationships. Everything is fleeting. They're going to develop attachment disorders. And every day will be scary because they won't know who they can trust and rely on. Mm -hmm. The bigger message, I think. And so... Well, oh, we lost, we lost Paula there. You know, it's it's interesting, and I know this is quite an extreme comparison, but I do a true crime podcast with John Wedger, and we we just recorded an episode where we looked at children who who kill, right? And it's all negative imprints. So, you know, the grander, you know, the, the larger scale or down the 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 negative road will have a larger impact, and. Mm -hmm. Whether it's lying or whether it's the atrocities these kids seen growing up, it leaves a, a complete imprint. And when in these cases, it resulted in three, two 10 year olds, an 11 year old, and an eight year old who all committed murders. Wow. So when kids witness distrust, lying, deceit, all of this, it's mm -hmm. going to be imprinted on them. And exactly as you just said, if, if your kids witness you lying, they're not going to trust you. It's really sad, especially if the theory of her, and as you said, the, the, the other lady who used her kids as props, if that is the case, those kids are going to be so well-versed, right, in the Megan version of everything, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were saying they're not going to know their cousins. Oh, they're not going to know their cousins because they're going to hate their cousins because their mother will toxicify their brain with the Megan version of the world, which comes from, you know, how the whole world revolves around Megan. Right. Uh, but this is, is what I see, Ron. I see that okay. they'll see that sh it was all a lie. Once they start to see the reality outside of what their mother taught them, they'll yeah. know everything she said was not really the truth. Now, it's, you're right. At some point, they will see it like mm -hmm. that until they grow out of it sure. and, and see the world for what it is outside of her experiences, but through their own experiences. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe at a later age when they feel secure enough to disappoint her because when they're small, uh, they dare not 
get a rise out of her or let her know that they don't worship her because she'll probably, a narcissist will probably be checking in for uh, praise. And the minute they sense disagreement, question, challenge, or disrespect, they'll fly off the handle or they'll implement control mechanisms that can be cruel. So... Just, um, just just in case you've just tuned in, we're not talking about the, the tactics a cult leader uses on its followers. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about Megan being a mum. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, just talking about Megan being a mum. Uh, because what you're saying there sounds exactly like a cult leader, you know? And in the cult of Megan, she is almighty, you know? Oh, and yeah. those, those kids are going to be versed, man. They're going to be... Unless... King Charles pushes the big red button and the, the tinted window vans come up and just pick up the kids from school one day and then they just turn up in England. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think that she will have them well-versed. See, here's what I think. Although people want to throw... I, I don't believe that you can generalize about anything, any condition or anyone. So sure. I've seen a lot of people out there say, oh, narcissist this and narcissist that. And she doesn't ever break down and she's not insecure. I say I call bullshit on that because what we've heard that at home, you know, she can be a sobbing mess and be extremely insecure. I think the opposite is true. I think there are some narcissists who can be incredibly insecure, but try and find ways to mitigate it and maintain control. But when they're in the mirror, they're in their bedroom crying, freaking out, like, oh, my God, what do I do? Nobody trusts me. Nobody believes me. I think there is that component. I think a part of her ego may be very fragile. I don't mm. think that's in control or unaware altogether about everything as some are assuming. So that being mm. said, um, and that's the scary thing too, because anger is a primitive response to fear and fear of losing or fear of losing control can bring out a lot of anger. So I don't know exactly how that might manifest in their family environment with the children with Harry, but I can't imagine that the air in that household is anything less than so thick you need a knife to cut it. Uh, It would seem like walking on eggshells 24 seven to please and to not upset that fragile ego or else. Uh, and I don't know that for sure, but I mean, when we look at Mommy Dearest, when we look at Joan Crawford, she was a, a screaming freak and she was in control when the cameras were on and she could be angry and seemingly a, not authoritative, but an authoritarian. Yeah. But behind closed doors, she was a crying, drunken, screaming mess. Mm-hmm. So our, uh, you know, our, it begs the question, are all narcissists? totally in control sociopaths who feel nothing. No, I do believe, I, I, I don't think they feel nothing. They might feel nothing or very little for others, but about themselves and self-preserving. I think they feel everything. I think it's like, you know, an insult to the eagle is like taking a hammer to the big toe. Uh, and that can manifest in a lot of ways with children and with others even in business relationships, controlling, throwing things at people, fear of loss. You know, I had a supervising counselor once in my practicum internship who said, Samantha, he said, fear is a very 
anger is a very primitive response to fear because a lot of people, you know, for survival, fear is not a comfortable thing. It doesn't make you feel certain and safe in the world. So the coping strategy, the overriding reaction is anger, which gives you an adrenaline rush, mm. which makes you feel in control. And a lot of people resort to that. People that you see who are an angry mess are afraid. Mm. You're afraid. Something very fundamental. And I think similarly, even with narcissists, not all, but some, I think it's a factor. Hmm. Well, that's that's very interesting to look yeah. at it like that. Fear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so, think she. Yeah, she couldn't. I think. Do you? So do you? You think Megan is in a position now where, with all these negatives coming her way, she's she's maybe scared or looking at things differently? Or how do you think someone with her the way she addresses things is dealing with this rejection and? and not good things happening for her. Well, there may come a breaking point, but it seems so far the trajectory has been denial, 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 get a new PR team, create a new strategy. And there's a, you know, there's a euphoric bubble for a while. There's a rebranding, there's a deflection. There's a, you know, let me, mm -hmm. it's like changing your shoes. Oh my God, these shoes are giving me a bunion. I'm going to put on a different pair. Right. Okay. And then I'm going to put on another pair. Think? I, think, I think narcissists do that. They objectify and they get rid of people. They keep people as long as they're comfortable and a good fit. And then they change them and dispose of them when, for whatever reason, they're not. But I think when the shit hits the fan and you see in the media that everything's going wrong and you've got all of these horrible labels that are real in that, you know, they can say, oh, well, PR is just saying nasty stuff about us. Mm -hmm. For people who don't have money and control of PR, there's some people that can say, oh, PR was just saying nasty things about us. But when you're paying PR and you're in control and most of them are still saying nasty things about you, you mm -hmm. have to stop and say and pivot and say, wow, I'm paying them and they're still calling me on my stuff. Maybe there's something to that there's something going on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such, it's such a mess when you try and pull apart the mindset of Megan and how she's going to do these things. And if she will have a breakdown, do you, do you mm -hmm. think that there's any possibility that she'd go down the road of a public breakdown and have it planned out for her benefit or you know, like to do a, a scripted Britney moment where she walks out the house with her hair shaved off and, you know, tries to win back people through sympathy. Mm. I'm not yeah. saying that's what Britney did, okay, before everyone goes nuts in the comments. I know Britney wasn't doing it for sympathy, okay? I'm just getting that out there. Sorry, Samantha, carry on. Yeah. Um, no, because I think that would be acquiescing. I think a demonstration of a mental breakdown with paparazzi and the public watching would be like a resignation okay. to someone not diagnosing her, but to a narcissist. Sure. I think that avoidance could go on until someone's very last breath yeah. rather than publicly displaying all your dirty laundry, shaving your head and going, yeah, I'm a mental case. Yeah. yeah here I am. I'm naked. I'm topless. My sh head shaven. No, I don't think vanity would ever allow that. And I, 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 that's not really self-preservation. I think it's a different mechanism. Well, different more, more, of a, more of a Hail Mary, more of a Hail Mary, as opposed to a, a, a 
self-preservation, if that makes sense. A last ditch effort. Like if she's in the if she's in the midst of a break. And again, I don't really necessarily mean to the full extent mm. of, you know, maybe you know, taking her top off or anything like that. But I really just mean, do you think that she could work an angle of a breakdown uh, publicly? Um, maybe save that for if the divorce happens. I, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think she's very calculated, and I think. Uh, I think I wouldn't put it past her. I wouldn't. Put yeah. It past her. Yeah. I can see I, her trying to manipulate your dad and yeah, trying yeah. to use the cameras to say I'm sorry, daddy, and and to really pull at oh, the yeah. heartstrings and to get sympathy in a way that's fake, but that yeah. maybe people will feel it's real. No, that's like, you know, I mean, if if you run your car into somebody's living room and damage everything and almost kill them, I can see you going, oh, my God, I'm sorry. My my car was out of control. But when you do it not twice, but three times and on continuum and never apologize with years gone by, it's like the daddy, I'm sorry letters and pulling at the heartstring doesn't really work. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because you've had so many opportunities to make it right and still didn't. Yeah. And you've still done it again. Like if your neighbor, if you run your na your car into your neighbor's into that living room while he's sitting there watching TV a second time, um, he might believe that the brakes went out again. But if you do it a third time, he's going to go, listen here, you mofo. You drove your goddamn car into my living room. I'm not buying the apology. I'm suing you because you don't get to drive your car into my living room. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not, you know, it's not believable at that yeah, point. I, I agree. So, I think there would have to be some no. re-engagement with your dad, then something publicly from your dad's side acknowledging the re-engagement between the two. And then if Megan was to go public and do the, oh, I'm daddy, I'm sorry, that would be the only way she'd get a percentage of the audience hooked in on that narrative. I think if if there was that little bit of pre pretensive connection prior to her going on, I think she'd, I think she, I think she could lasso some people. Not everybody. Somebody yeah, not who has a moral uh, conscience might do that. But again, I think here to do that and take that step forward and say, I'm sorry, even for PR, in my opinion, would be acquiescing to gross malicious negligence over several years it's like if you apologize you're also saying yeah i realize i ignored you and maybe even to some degree caused the heart attack and two strokes yeah. and i watched you be tortured in the media and i did nothing but i'm really sorry that's admitting that you were like an incredible arsehole you know, that just means you were like incredibly macabre yeah. in your treatment I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think yeah. the most likely scenario um, is that there will be a rebranding, maybe going into an exile, maybe meeting some oblivious older mogul who doesn't care, who just wants an arm trophy. I mean, I can see yeah. that possible scenario, but yeah. I don't think it's ever going to be substantial or spiritual or meaningful in the world and that's really sad because there have been so many opportunities well i think just with what you were saying about witnessing her lack of remorse growing up i can't imagine that pattern changing and i can't imagine a pr group being able to you know sway her hand into admitting wrongdoing if that has been 
built into her from a toddler to to just not acknowledge when she does anything wrong. And it's it, it was just as you were saying that there, Sam, uh, I realized that because that is just never going to happen. It's really fucking sad, Sam. It, you know, the more we talk about the realities of right. how right. this is going to end up between your dad and Megan, because... Okay, let- let, let's moderate the attacks on my dad on the grounds that although parents are the primary agents of socialization, yeah. from the time they get into kindergarten, first grade, yeah, maybe they're in school six hours of the day by the time third grade, eight hours. So when you say, well, maybe she didn't get the right messages about doing the right things. Those schools, the Little Red Schoolhouse, Immaculate Heart, are stellar Disney's kids went there, celebrities went there. Those teachers, those messages, those peers who come from good families are also acting as social guidelines, boundaries, influencers. So to say maybe she didn't get those messages. Well, you know, I think um, after age six, they're still in their formative years until about age 12. They're in school all day long. And if they're in good schools, with teachers who have an invested heart, soul, and functioning frontal lobe, they're learning those lessons. They're, they're engaging in pecking order with peers. They're finding boundaries. So you can't, um, in a way, parents are really important, but depending on the schools kids went to, you have to bounce, you can bounce some of that off onto the schools because they're there eight hours a day. That is a, that's a lot of time with college degree teachers influencing their understanding of themselves and the world around them. And they do get boundaries in school. If you write a paper and you cheat, if you throw gum in somebody's hair in a classroom, you're gonna get sanctioned. So they are not without boundaries for that eight hour period, which is significant. So was she totally without boundaries? Hell no. She was in control. She had boundaries, but she didn't like them. Maybe. Yeah, Samantha, we need to remember as well. Like you've 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 defended your dad a couple of times uh, in regards to Mm -hmm. people pinning blame on him for Megan. Basically, I've I can I've gone through countless cases. I've spoken literally to serial killers in prison whose parents loved them. No trauma. No crappy upbringing. Good school. Mm close family relations, it's just they really like killing people, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Where, are, where are their parents to blame? There's Sometimes you're just right. born bad. Exactly, okay? exactly. There is sometimes an organic basis. There are statistical yeah. outliers. Like I said, you can give, you can spoil your kids. You can give them all of the tools to put in their toolbox about getting through life, conflict resolution, person, yeah. you know, character counts, integrity, how to treat others and how to do the right thing. And that doesn't mean they're going to do it. And again, I'm going to go back to the Gigi Perot example. You know, if my father was so negligent and so enabling all the way around, when the demand was, you need to quit this production. I don't like Gigi. I'm not getting along with her. Uh, my father didn't quit the production. He didn't give in. He said, no. He said, that's not what you do. You commit yourself to something. I'm not going to quit the production. If you want to ice me, more power to you, but I'm not quitting the production. So he gave her the boundaries. That doesn't mean she liked it. 
Yeah. And that doesn't mean that she was going to apply it in her life on continuum. Well, it sounds like you've done the best for her. And just going back yeah. to what you said about people saying that they were you were spoiled and stuff. Being spoiled isn't asking for twenty dollars and being given fifty. Being spoiled right. is given five hundred dollars a week allowance and told you never have to work. You getting a little extra than what you ask for, whilst you're still learning the importance of working and that's being instilled in you, isn't spoiling your children. You can still get them gifts all the time and take them right. places, but. The important thing is they learn the value of money and the value of their time. And that is clearly being instilled in, in, in yourself. And clearly uh, your dad done a good job of that. So people that want to throw that out there can fucking suck their mums as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I, mean, you can, I mean, you can... Um... I'm starting to get really wound up when we talk no, about... I, I, was, I was speaking, I was speaking I to really someone... Have. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you now. Sorry, Sam. I was speaking to someone who worked in law enforcement, um, yeah. you know, who said it's really strange. In the course of your day, your week, you'll act with between three and five sociopaths and killers, and you won't even know it. Yep. Um, the point of that is there are people in society who are sociopaths. There are people in our own families who are sociopaths. And I think you can love and you can give and give and give. And that doesn't mean when they get out of the confines of home and they're totally unbridled that they're going to do the right thing because they might be driven by an endorphin surge. They might be driven by, you know, the opiates of money that's easy to get or hurting somebody and how that feels powerful mm -hmm. or, yeah. or whatever it is. They might have a low resting heart rate. They might, you know, need an opiate. There are a lot of criminals and sociopaths that are like that. I'm not saying she is, but I'm saying as a parent, it's really hard to tell if your child is going to get into the world and act in a way that you yes. wanted or would have assumed. A hundred percent. And again, that goes across the board. We've seen children who've been raised in just the most diabolical of situations be the most empathetic, loving, caring human beings and kids who've gone from... Uh, the opposite, and I, I genuinely don't understand how people can be throwing that at your dad or yourself just by going what you said. I personally believe what you're saying, uh, and it's really sad and frustrating that you. Well, here, here's the other. Here's the other thing. You know, yeah. we are social creatures, so you look at parents, you look at teachers, mm -hmm. and you look at these individuals who go on into their adult lives and behave like this, treat others like this, and even commit crimes. So for an average Jane or, you know, Joe, yeah. um, there's the legal system. There are people who will go, wow, that was really messed up. Can't believe you did that. But when you've got celebrities or people who are really rich, one of the problems that we see is that nobody wants to point out that the emperor is not wearing any clothing mm -hmm. because they're rich and they're so fabulous and they might isolate you or they might not they might tell people you suck and not want to be around you so you find people enabling eccentric and wealthy people and celebrities in behaviors that suck or that are even dangerous yeah. because they want to be part of the cool crowd and they don't want to be the one standing there going, you know what? That sucks. I don't care if you like me. You don't like me or you like me. That was wrong. And I don't care how 
rich and fake and fabulous you are, I don't want to be associated with someone, no matter how much money you have, who behaves like this. People are afraid, you know, to call a spade a spade, seemingly. And when we get a grip on that as a society and we become more emboldened to do what's right and tell the truth and call people on their stuff, we'll be sitting around talking about phenomena like this a lot less and scratching our heads going, how did this get to this point? I mean, just as you were saying all of that, what's been going on with the music industry over the last couple of years is testament to that. There's Mm -hmm. been so much devil worshiping stuff Mm -hmm. going on. It's starting to get called out a lot more now, but it's almost like it sort of parted along for a while because it was like maybe one in, you know, let's argue, just for argument's sake, I'm pulling numbers at Mars here. One in 50 concerts, there was something a bit devilly. But now it seems, I mean, freaking Taylor Swift, man. Taylor Swift <laughs> being a kid. Yeah. Tay Tay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's, it's, it's testament to just how much wrongdoing can go on. It's everywhere, well, even but, in the movies. It's, it's yeah. everywhere, you know? But then we have the Chris Rocks. We have people come out and go, uh-uh, that's messed up. And then we have, if you looked at the Grammys, I don't know about you guys. I was watching that with the red glow on everything. And I was watching Ben Affleck and J-Lo. And there were people in the audience that, you know, when Sam was on stage doing his devil thing. And the, the whole room took on this red hellish cast. I was going, what the F is going on? It's wild. I wanted to look at the social response to that in Hollywood. Uh-huh. So I was looking at people's faces and there were some people going, but mm. most of them were going, mm. they were like, not sure what to make of it, but they were going along with it anyway, because they knew their peers were watching. You could tell, I'm sorry. It looked like Ben Affleck was clearly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> what the Excuse my yeah, language. You can bleep me out. He was like going, "What the fuck is this uh-huh. crap?" Yeah, if you manage to, if you manage to make, uh, if you manage to make Batman question why he is there, you know, you've done yeah. something wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's just, it's just such a relevant point what you were saying there, and mm-hmm. it just that just sprung into mind, and I'm glad that uh, you're on the same page as us here because it is weird. Okay. Yeah. We and it's not even referency. It's like ritualistic. And we're not going to carry on talking about this, right? But it isn't just like some horns anymore. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like it's not playful, if you know what I'm saying. It's it's serious. Awfully ceremonial. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, oh yeah. Um, well, here's 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 the word they use. In fact, um, at one point, without getting too graphic. Um, yeah. My youngest daughter started dabbling and listening to the music of Slayer, and I caught that in her headphones. And I looked Slayer. at the I looked at the lyrics online, and I was, as a counselor, I was appalled. I was like, "Oh my God, Jeffrey Dahmer's got a hold of my daughter! What is this psychotic? Yeah. Terrifying!" So, with it in her headphones, I said, uh, "What are you listening to?" And she told me about it, and I, I w- had already read the lyrics, and I said. I didn't want to be the old lady calling the Beatles a bunch of young punks who are going to just I want to make sure I was like giving her the benefit of the doubt, not insulting her for experimenting. But I saw the lyrics and Mm -hmm. I said, well, you want to explain to me what that means to you? And she goes, it's just chill, mom. I said, what do you mean it's just just chill? 
And so on Twitter the other day, I saw a pentagram and a picture of Satan. And someone said, isn't he chill? What? So, no, that's not oh, chill. That's not, it's not <laughs> C-H-I-L-L. It's E-B-I-L. Yeah. Let's get the spelling right. That's not chill. It's evil. It's psychosis. Yeah. It's not chill. It's not cool. And I don't care who tells you that it is. It's dangerous, folks. And yeah. they're trying to brainwash kids who right now are fearful and insecure so that they can feel a sense of groupness. Like the world is so psychotic, they can't attach to many and other groups because of all the political division that's going on. So there's yeah. this one psychotic cluster group who welcomes everybody. And suddenly these young people feel a sense of belonging. and belonging. Yeah, it, it happens across the board, whether it's good things, bad things. Mm -hmm. it, it really, really does. A sense, a sense of unity bringing people together, positive or negative, is... It's, it's it's just how things operate, but well, and to I, have in, to have it institutionally yeah. reinforced, we all know that everyone idolizes not everyone but most people idolize and look up to Hollywood for fashion standards, for behavioral yeah. uh, standards and references of self, and you know where we are as a people. So for Hollywood to endorse that, very sick, very scary, and I think we're going to start to see that plummeting because it's getting a lot of pushback. And a lot of parents, even in that audience at the Grammys, were like, uh-uh, we're not having this. Yeah. No, listen, you're, you're going to see more of this. You're going to see more public outcry from parents. And Hollywood's just going to continue ignoring it and talking about art and freedom of expression and all of this stuff. And then a new fucking Marvel movie will come out and everyone will fucking forget about it. Do you, know, do you see what I mean? Like, that's how mm -hmm. it's done. Yeah. And it's, the only problem is, is the internet and social media and how quickly opinion can spread now. And, and a, a lie is only effective if you tell it to enough people at once. If mm. you tell a, a lie to 10 million people all at once and you convince 7 million of them and let the other 3 million argue with that 7 million, you've won. Uh, Sam, we're hitting the almost two and a half hour mark now. Uh, and I just want to say, because you, you, you were really pressed for time. You, you only had an hour. We've, we've, we've slightly pushed you into the, into the two-hour realm. And I just before we start sort of winding down, is there anything else or any other things you would like to sort of bring to the table on this or say before we uh, find out what you're, what you're up to next and move on? Well, we, we can continue another time and do that. And I just yeah. want to say thank you for having me. And maybe we've, you know, we've... Uh, but as pebbles in the pond, maybe when yeah. we talk about these things, we can start to make progress. We can start to solve some of the problems in the world, but we can't do it if we don't talk about them. I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, you're welcome here anytime if you want to come and talk about other things that have nothing to do with your sister uh, and you want to just, you know, to have a refreshing moment of speaking about things you want to speak about. You're more than welcome to do that too. Uh, if there's any uh, groups that you support that you want to promote or anything like that, you're more than welcome to come back and, and do that. And you're just a fabulous lady. Uh, this is our first. Yes, she time. is. And I just think uh, <laughs> you, you have just blown my mind. You're a very, a very impressive speaker. Okay. Very impressive speaker. Well, and both of you, and I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And, Thank yeah, I'd love to do this because these are important things. We, you know, we, it's not about like, it's not about us. And I try and keep myself in check when I talk about things. I wonder, is this about me? No, it's not about me being relevant. God gave us brains and voices, whoever you believe your God is. And we're social creatures. If we don't use them, 
I think that's an insult to evolution. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk yeah. about it. I would love yeah. to be here with you again and talk Fantastic. about it. Fantastic. And I can yeah. guarantee you that 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 will happen. And I look forward to talking to you more. I look forward to us doing this again. Uh, Paula has disappeared. So I'm hoping that her talking about the government coming for her didn't actually trigger the government coming for her. Government. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pedina, you're you're frozen. Oh, I'm frozen. OK, now you're not. Now you're not. I think. No. Okay, now you are. Now you're you're better. Uh, Patricia, of course, you had your uh, P dinosaur. You had your own difficulties today. Uh, oh my goodness! Yes, I'm glad that you found your house keys. Uh, <laughs> I, I I had to climb through a tiny window in the side of my house twice this year because I. Oh left. my goodness! My, really? My front door. The house I live in now was lived in by an old lady for about 50 years so like the bathroom's got those big support handles in the shower for you know if you're a bit frail to hold on to so the front door as soon as it closes six deadbolts lock oh my goodness so the, the dog ran out i've ran out after the dog and i've just pulled the door shut and the keys are on the inside, the door closes and i'm like i'm standing in a pair of shorts and a pair of socks right And I have to now go to my neighbor's house in uh, nothing but shorts and socks and be like, can I borrow a ladder, please? And of course they, they did. And then they proceeded to laugh a lot as oh, the big sure. the big man in the ladder climbing through the tiny window. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, guys. I'm, I'm no problem, pulled, Sam. I'm being pulled in another direction. God bless no you. Thank, Thank you, Sam. Let's do this again. Thanks. We will. Okay, bye, Samantha. Bye, Sam. Bye. Thank you, Sam. Bye. Cheers. All right. So thank you, everybody, for coming and joining us tonight for another episode of A Royal Mess. It was a fantastic episode. Uh, Samantha Markle giving us some pretty amazing insights into a lot of topics. And hopefully we'll see her again very, very soon. Uh, and I'm sure you'd all like that. So, P. Dina, thank you. Thank you yes. for joining us. And I am melting here, right? For anyone that's been like, what is this dude's hair about? It's I'm melting. You look great. It's no, it's so hot, <laughs> so hot. It's so hot here in uh, in oh Scotland. Like it's the first year where I'm like, maybe there is global warming. Maybe yeah, and maybe you should happen. get an AC a unit. No, no it, it, it's fine. Like it's not like American heat. Like, don't get me wrong. If no? I told you what temperature it was, you'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's hot, so I'm gonna go cool off and uh, start editing this for everyone to watch uh, tomorrow. Okay. So, listen, thank you very much for watching, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and for me, Ron Swanson, on the Sean Atwood channel. As always, be safe. Right now.